need look no more the pick the podcast we were looking for what kind of movie will we see the hangover part three that would make me sick but that's the power of the pick and welcome to the pick we're your hosts john otney Colin Westman. And Sean Lemming. It's funny that the most enduring thing about a franchise about killer rats is a tender love ballad. (laughs) That is strange. They sang a version of this on The Simpsons when Michael Jackson slash Michael Jackson impersonator sang like a version of Ben but to Homer. Do you guys remember this? I remember that episode, but I don't remember this moment. Yeah. Well, it's when they're both in the asylum. I mean, you can't even watch it. Remember, it's that episode's hard. <laughs> it's canceled hard. Like, you can't watch Whoa. it. It's not on Disney+. Plus. Uh, okay, so this is, this is going to suck. I'm, gonna be, I'm putting that up, up here, right up, right up top. <laughs> because here, I picked this movie, Willard. It's... Uh, 20th, 20th anniversary of Willard, 2003. Thinking maybe this is like this little diamond in the rough movie, this kind of like underrated little creature feature, and it's going to be fun to talk about. And I watch it, and I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh, that was great. I love that. And then like a day or two later, I, sh- I see Sean's letterbox score, and I see that it's the lowest rating he's ever given to a movie on this show. <laughs> And now I'm like, well, fuck, I got to, I feel like I got to ditch my strategy of what I'm going to talk about here. And this is like, this is damage control now. Now I have an inkling among other things. Well, it was probably a mistake to pick a movie where an orange cat is killed <laughs> in a fairly horrific sequence i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb here and assume sean you weren't a particular fan of this scene i'm talking about i hated that scene so much and sean. that cat did nothing wrong oh no he that was not in any way a villain cat absolutely it was a not. totally innocent cat you're right you're right and it was named scully it was named scully this is a, a glenn morgan film x-files writer glenn morgan little x-files reference not even a subtle one um, I'll talk about that scene a little bit more later, uh, but I feel bad. I feel bad that I made you watch this th- movie that you hate and was an unpleasant experience for you. Look, when you give a movie a star rating, the thing you're supposed to do, I think, is is meet the movie where it is. I, I think. Uh, you know, Roger Ebert has has explained before, right? That you're when you when you rate two movies four stars, it doesn't mean they're both equally good. It means they both equally like lived up to their potential, right? Yeah. And may, and so if that is the mindset that you have, which is usually the mindset that I try to have, 
I was being unfair to Willer. It's better than the star rating I gave it. So, so I actually see where you're coming from in terms of this got me thinking. A few years ago on our site, I reviewed Sallow or 120 Days of Sodom and gave it half star. And like, I am willing to recognize that movie is well shot, has pretty good music, probably has good performances. But I was so offended by it that I'm like, okay, fuck it. I, this is a visceral reaction that I had to this. I'm sure it's better than a half star, but this is how I felt right after watching it. So I get it. I get it. Um, I, was just surpri- I was just surprised. Yeah, and now that I think about it more, there are other movies that I've had that reaction to where it's like I'm also sort of responding to them politically. Like, I think of, like, Straw Dogs and Dress to Kill as movies that I know other people think are great that I did not like. <laughs> Straw Dogs, a movie I like. Um, but the difference there is, like, I was genuinely offended. Yeah. I'm not offended by Willard. I just <laughs> did not want to be in Willard world. <laughs> and and it's it's not it's all it's not fair in the movie because that's how I felt going into Willard. I was like, I, I want to be totally honest with you. I was not looking forward to watching this movie right. at all. And I found it very unpleasant. I found there to be nothing redeeming about the Willard character. Um, nothing, nothing won me over, and so um, I didn't have a great time with it. But that's—I think—that's on me more than it's on the movie, right? Willard is made for people who want to give Willard a chance, and I just wasn't one of them. I'm just glad we didn't watch this at as kids, because I feel like I would have gotten somehow in trouble with your mom. Like, I don't know if you remember, Sean, but I remember years and years ago, we watched The Howling, which, uh, and then, which led to a stern phone call from your mom <laughs> about watching a mature film. Uh, I didn't, uh, my dad handled that call, but it's just like, I don't know, am I a bad influence? Am I, should I stop bringing this sicko <laughs> shit into the world? You know, that also got me thinking, didn't Colin, I once for your birthday gift you Resident Evil 2 and did it didn't it get confiscated <laughs> did it did get confiscated my mom took it away and, and hid it in the closet I think hid it in the closet see this was which um, reveals that I later found it because I went scrounging around for it because I'm a bad kid I feel like this is my, I feel like this is my fault for bringing this uh, I know this mood into the I don't know <laughs> I don't know. What this, I mean, I was. You have to remember, I was brought up in a household where it was like, okay, John, the only movies you can't see are are Reservoir Dogs and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You can't see them until you're 13, and then they'll be two of your favorite movies of all time. I did end up seeing Reservoir Dogs when I was 12, so that didn't even pan out. Well, couldn't wait. So I yeah, I I feel bad sometimes. Uh, I. I also am at a point in my life where I am not into these white boy sicko movies. White boy sicko. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm thinking of, like, fucking Fight Club and Joker. Um, yeah. <laughs> these these stories about people who are like, I hate society because society hates me. Mm-hmm. But I get to, like, 
oh, the hottest girl in the movie has a crush on me for no reason, and also I'm going to kill everyone. Like, it's just... I think it's a it's an archetype of character that is more problematic than interesting to me now. Um, and 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 Willard to me was an example of a character who had maybe the least redeeming qualities of any of those types of characters. I, I do think Willard only ever set out to hurt someone who was a bad person, and he just kind of lost true. control of the situation. I will I will agree that like he's got a lot of like basic white boy problems and that it didn't need to escalate in the way that it did. This was an avoidable situation for him. He got in way over his head. Uh, Cause he's a sicko. I also like that Colin is still remaining. I have no idea. That's true. I have not given my opinion yet. I just watched it earlier today, so I haven't rated it on Letterboxd. Um... I'm probably kind of in between you two guys. I think I'm probably a, a little more closer to John. I didn't hate it. Uh, there were things about it I thought were kind of unique and interesting, even if I don't think the movie completely worked for me. Uh, but we'll get into it later, I guess. I look forward. I'm going to be eagerly watching your letterbox, Colin, to see your score. This is like, this is going to be <laughs> I'm like. Not- the thing is, I'm not even. I'm not even I know, sure what I, I would give. But this it. is like, this is like when it's I was like. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. It's almost like what? Yeah, I was just gonna say. It's almost like what? How can you guys convince me to like? What can you convince me to give it on Letterboxd? Oh wow! I think so your challenge is... <laughs> for the podcast. Well, that's gonna be tough for me to do a good job because I'm not. I'm not a good debater. It's it's just going to be the difference between like a two and a half and a three <laughs> star, I think. Okay. It's like, can you get me that half star up or down? But uh, what I was going to say before that was, this is going to be like when I was logging onto my dial-up internet and like watching Rotten Tomatoes eagerly, seeing what the Fantastic Four tomato score would be <laughs> when it would dr- when it was going to drop. I was like so eagerly, eagerly anticipating, and I remember it like opened up at like forty six, and then like kept going down. <laughs> it's like I was watching the stock market crash. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was just like, no, no, no. Because we only had a few. We'd had Daredevil, which I think at the time I was like, that's a win, right? That worked. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Willard around the time period of that film, just a year be- year or two before. Uh, a movie that I sure. saw on home video, but don't remember seeing. I think I fell asleep. Uh, but hey. I was young, a sleepy boy. Now I'm a sleepy man. Uh, but before we get more into Willard, we got to do our little picks. I'll go yeah. first, guys. I went to go see Evil Dead Rise yesterday um, nice. at Cinemark for the discount price. And I liked it. Um, sick, some more sicko shit to just piling it on. Because <laughs> uh, that... Uh, you guys, Are you guys going to watch this? Should I spoil any of this? Or... I, Maybe I shouldn't. I'm way behind on Evil Dead at this point. You're this not. Like, I, you're not as behind as you, th- you think. Because I don't. Wa- I mean, <laughs> I guess it depends on is that show considered canon? I don't actually yeah. know because I haven't there's watched the show, show either. And there's two movies now that I haven't seen. I think that's it. Yeah, the just this one and the the first remake. But that's just a straight up remake. It's you know like it's just all the same beats. It's nothing really that different. It's just more violent. 
Really? There's an ash in that? In the Evil Dead 2013? Yeah. So Bruce Campbell, after like all the credits, there's like a shot of Bruce Campbell in profile going, groovy. And it's like, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) What does that have to do with anything? It's just like they just shot him for a day and had no, there's no reason for it to exist. (laughs) It never led to anything. Okay. Okay. So this one kind of not really connected to the other ones. It's all set in a high-rise apartment in Los Angeles. Uh, there's an earthquake. They discover a vault under the complex, and one of the kids finds the Necromonicon um, and, like, a record player and plays it. And then uh, the mom of the, uh, the family gets uh, possessed, and then her sister has to fight. And it's all contained, the whole movie set in this high-rise apartment complex. Fantastic nice. gore. It really won me over just with how, how all the practical effects. And I'll spoil this. I won't spoil some other things, but I'll spoil that there is a part where the Deadites become a Rat King Deadite, and it is oh, very gross. cool. And I've, I've never seen that in a movie where it's like, why can't I just get a movie where something becomes a Rat King? Not not even any of the Willard movies have Rat Kings. <laughs> Uh, I but, guess Ben is Ben is the king of the rats, though, in a way. That's true. But he doesn't wear a, he doesn't wear a little crown or anything. But I was riding Evil Dead Rise with a three and a half star rating in mind that whole time, and then like the last twenty minutes, I was like, "Wow, they really just up the ante with the with the action and the violence here. It's really fantastic looking." So I, I gave it a four. I'm not ashamed, and it's it's already coming to VOD uh, like May 9th. Not because it didn't do well, just because that's how it works now. It's like, you know, a horror movie does well for like three weeks or whatever. It's, this is only the second week. Is it even the second week? No, this is the, f- yeah, this is the second week because it came out last Friday from when we are recording this. This is sort of the first Sort week. of the first week. A... And they're all, yeah. they're already going to, but I guess they're like, it made the money it's going to make. Let's go to, let's go to, to I mean, expensive VOD. So uh, there might be some people like, oh, I missed it. I'll spend the $20. But I like it. Um, I wish it's director Lee Cronin. It's only second film. I wish him well. He did a good job. Uh, a lot of questionable accents. Movies in all, all Australian cast pretending to be American, and you can tell. But they're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you said it's all in one building. Yeah. Is it part of that like sort of subgenre that like Die Hard and The Raid and Dread are in? I think I think you could call it that. Yeah, where it's like Die Hard in a blank. In this case, it's like. <laughs> yeah, Die Hard in a Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's self-contained in that way. So absolutely, there's probably another name. There probably is a specific name for that subgenre. Uh, I don't know. Um, and then most of the time, uh, you were talking. I was trying to look up what the name of that show was. It was on as at the same time as Ash versus the Evil Dead, but it just it was just like its own thing. <laughs> And it was called Stand Against Evil. For anyone else who was trying oh, to remember what right. that show was. That was like a knockoff, Stand though, Against right? Evil. Was that John C. McGinley? John C. McGinley, created by Dana Gould. Wow. Okay. Never saw a second. <laughs> I never saw a frame. I at least saw one episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead. And I was like, this seems fine. All right, what do you guys got? Speaking of TV shows... Oh, that segue. Uh, the Mandalorian came back. And it's ended. <laughs> it's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of us were like, what 
place does the Mandalorian have in Disney streaming Star Wars TV now, which is a series of words that's kind of embarrassing to even say. <laughs> um, because um, season two of the Mandalorian seemed to be moving away from the episodic structure that made the first season entertaining and moving towards this new mode where basically every episode of the Mandalorian existed to set up a character that they could then create a spin-off TV show about which to some extent they've done because we are getting an Ahsoka show now um, we did not get the Gina Carano spin-off because she's an idiot but um, that's that season two kind of left a bad aftertaste in my mouth, especially because of the deep fake ending of that season, um, which was further muddled by the fact that it was followed up. That ended in 2020. In 2022, we had the book of Boba Fett, um, which just hidden within that was a wrap-up for all the dangling threads from season two of The Mandalorian, which was a bizarre choice um, and something that is not handled well at the start of season three of The Mandalorian. You really do need to go see those episodes of the Boba Fett God. show. See, that's kind of what made me not be that interested in watching the third season was yeah. The Mandalorian, was knowing that a lot of stuff was in the book of Boba Fett, which I didn't watch. Yeah. It's a completely different status quo. And then also since then, um, we had the Obi-Wan show, which was badly written. I think, <laughs> I think it was fine in the end, but it was not good. But then on top of that, we had Andor, which was just so much better written than everything else in Star Wars in a long time. <laughs> that it kind of makes you wonder, like, well, who gives a shit about Mandalorian anymore? And I think the answer was not really anybody because I don't. It didn't seem like anyone else was watching this show anymore. Um, but if you were willing to jump through all of those hoops and come back, you know, nearly three years since season two ended, um, which I know even Pedro Pascal wasn't because he, I think, is just a voice actor on the show at this point. Um, what you'll find is something that I think is a step up from season two, although not uh, not rising to the heights of the, the first season. Um, what they've done is opt for a more serialized story, which I think is fine. I think we're pretty used to serialized storytelling and the episodic nature of season one was kind of weird for people. Um, the story they tell is about the Mandalorians retaking their home world um, as, as led by uh, Katie Sackhoff's uh, Bo-Katan, uh, who is a character who appeared in season two, but is mainly known for being in the two Dave Filoni animated shows, The Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, I think it's interesting, unlike Rosario Dawson taking over the role of Ahsoka, this was always Katie Sackhoff playing this character. So there's a, a weird continuity of a... Uh, animated voice actor becoming the live action version of the character and it being pretty cool um but it's it's a it's a it's a totally fine story it has some cool moments there is one episode that randomly has lizzo and jack black 
and Christopher <laughs> Lloyd in it. Um, wow. It's a lot of energy. It's like the only thing I know <laughs> about this season is that that happened. Um, Babu Frick from uh, the uh, Rise of Skywalker, the only new character people liked from Rise of Skywalker, um, shows up in a couple episodes. Wow. Uh, she's she's still cute. Um, or he, I don't know the gender of Bobby Freak. They. Um, Carl Weathers is back a, a lot, which I like to see. I don't know why Carl Weathers has disappeared from <laughs> pop culture, except for he's in the Mandalorian stuff. Hmm. Um, but it's nice to see him. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard remains the best Star Wars director working right now. Um, John Favreau wrote like all the episodes, which is weird. And um, it ends in a way that seems like the end of the show. Um, I don't know if it will be, because we know now there's going to be a movie down the line that Dave Filoni will be directing um, that's supposed to wrap up this particular era in Star Wars, this sort of in between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy era. Um, but I guess with the title The Mandalorian, they could even do another season of the show with different main characters if they wanted to, just as long as one of them is a Mandalorian. Um, so do I regret my time watching this show? No, not at all. I had a good time. And, uh, and like I said, I think it is a step up from season two. And uh, now that it's all out, you can just binge the whole thing, which I think is the way people prefer to watch shows now anyway. So I, I give it a, a thumbs up, but uh, nowhere near the, the huge thumbs up that I gave Andor at the end of last year. That, um, that's just such a high watermark that I don't think anything else is going to live up to it for a while. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get back into it. I, I started watching Boba Fett, like, semi-recently, so I guess there's a chance. But, like, then I stopped because like, I lost interest. Yeah, the episodes were a little you. too long for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, pending. We'll see. I, I don't know. <laughs> I assume someday there... I'll get in a Star Wars mood again, and then I'll consume all this. But right now I'm just all Star wars out. I will say... For you, John, their commitment to practical effects and puppets remains very strong. Oh, I always love that. Yeah, that's I find that so admirable in this day and age. So, props to them for their props. <laughs> <laughs> and props to Colin for what I assume is a great little pick. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, so my little pick is an album been listening to a bunch lately uh that i don't know if i was planning on making my little pick but i i felt like i had to for this episode because the album title is appropriate uh the go. album is called rat saw god it is uh most recent album by the band wednesday who i had kind of heard of like i think their last album got some Got some good reviews and stuff, but I never listened to the album. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. This is from the dance? Um, <laughs> yes, this is from the dance. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, yeah. Um, band from Asheville, North Carolina. I feel like there are a bunch of indie artists coming out of Asheville, and I don't know 
why? It's just one of those places Maybe that's there's... secretly cool, right? Like Athens, Georgia. I, I, I'm guessing that. I'm that's what I'm catching on to. It's like uh, yeah, I don't know. Angel Olsen lives there. Indigo D'Souza's from there. These guys are from there. But uh, anyways, I didn't realize until I listened to this album that uh, MJ Lenderman is in this band. <laughs> And uh, MJ Letterman put out one of my favorite albums of last year um, as like a solo artist. Um, but he both songs, good talk- both songs, great album, loved it. Very like twangy uh, indie rock with like a little bit of a country country feel to it as well. And this band is kind of in the same vein. Um, I would definitely say. It feels a little more like a band. Like they rock pretty hard on some of these songs, but also at the same time, some of it's like a little more like raw and honest and like sincere. Um, you know, I definitely get the feeling that Carly Hartsman, who's the lead singer of the band, is kind of like the person driving the songs. And I respect that MJ Lenderman's just like kind of there to play guitar and uh, like. He's a, he's a good guitar player, too. Um, and yeah, this band just has a sound that like definitely appeals to me. Very sort of influenced by kind of uh, 90s alt-rock, but has like a, a shagginess to it um, that I admire. And um, it's just a good little album. I'm, I'm, I'm really liking it. Um, I don't have that much to say about it, just because... It's a band that's kind of new to me, but um, yeah, Rat Saw God is the name of the album. Now, is it um, a rat saw God, like the, a, a rat's be, beheld God, or is it a rat that is the God of saws, um, like a rat who's really good with <laughs> sawing things? Because one of those... Yeah, is this hyphenated? Like ben. It's not hyphenated. I assumed it was the first one. It's about a rat, a rat that had a vision of God. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I would not want to mess with a, a rat that was the saw god. <laughs> like, Sounds pretty cool, though. You, we see in this movie what rats can do when they just like have <laughs> strength in numbers. Like, imagine if they had weapons. It would just be... It'd be game over. Colin, I can already imagine that. It's called Red Wall. Red Wall? <laughs> I know. Yeah, they, don't, yeah. they don't fight humans in that. They just fight other rats. Thank God they're too busy fighting each other. Yeah. Rats. Do you guys like rats? That's my, op- that's my opening question. Yay or nay on rats? Sean? Um, Colin? Floor is open. Yeah, I I think I I don't have uh I don't have really anything against rats. I mean, they are generally unsavory, but I haven't had a uh like scarring encounter with a rat. Um for talking squirrels on the other hand, totally different story. <laughs> had a squirrel that <laughs> snuck into my apartment and we I spent a whole night trying to get that squirrel out. God, you you had to cancel a podcast appearance for our. It was our yep. Wonder Woman mm-hmm. nineteen eighty four 
We got we got Matt to fill in because you were dealing with that squirrel situation. I know you guys were poking fun at me very on the funny. podcast. Very I was funny. living in my own personal yeah. hell. Yeah. <laughs> that was. Did we didn't make you edit that episode. <laughs> I don't think we did, right? One of I don't think so. I think you edited it. <laughs> that would be too cruel. Yeah. Sean, yeah, but rats, I... rats, I got no problem with. Okay. I like Pizza Rat. He's cool. Yeah, he's Pizza famous. Rat is cool. If now, if this was a movie full of pizza rats, stars. <laughs> um, and I was in elementary school, so you know, nine, ten, maybe eleven years old. Um, a huge monster rat revealed itself to my mother, um, which put the whole Lemmy household into lockdown. Um, <laughs> We we cordoned it off in the downstairs of the house, um, and everyone took shelter upstairs. Um, and I went with my store. I went with my dad to the store, much like Willard at the start of this movie, <laughs> and beheld the uh, various trap and murder options that are available when you have a rat in the house. And we, like Willard in this movie, opted for uh, rat traps and sticky paper. And uh, we laid those out with food for the rat with the hopes that these torture devices would do the job for us. Um, And when we awoke the next morning and checked the traps, we found that our rat friend had eaten all the food, had somehow used other pieces of paper to get onto the sticky paper and take take snacks. He had, uh, I don't know, disarmed the, the clamping rat traps. He had, he had done it all. Um, and so at this point, it became obvious to me that I was losing a weekend to this rat that had taken up residence in the downstairs of our house. Um, and I did not like that, but we had no choice. Um, and so the next morning I, uh, gathered up my courage and went downstairs to, to play video games because it was Sunday at this point. I wasn't going to miss a weekend of gaming (laughs) and I heard a noise and, um, the rat had come into one of the clamping rat traps sideways. So he was caught in it. Uh, but was very much still alive since the painful part of the clamp is is only at the end. Uh, at this point, I summoned my father, who grabbed a shovel and scooped up the rat and the trap um, and threw it outside. And when that happened, the trap broke and freed the rat, uh, who had many options available to it, but the option the rat decided on was running back towards the house. Um, My dad decided to defend his household and his family, and so he brought the shovel down on the rat, uh, killing it at this point. Um, And then I got my Polaroid camera, and we took a picture of it next to the ruler, and uh, from tip of the nose to tip of the tail, it was longer than a foot. That's all I remember. He was a 
huge wow. goddamn rat. Damn. My God. So you basically you basically <laughs> had Ben in your house. Um. And uh, that was that's a fairly traumatic experience. Jesus. To have. Yeah, I've never Sounds heard this like story it. before. God. I've I've heard it a few times. Why are you holding this? Sh- why are you holding out on the story from John? I, I guess it's not one like you bring up at like a party or something. It's not like a yeah. fun party. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I hope this <laughs> movie didn't uh, bring I you don't back. Consider myself having a phobia of rats, right? But mm-hmm. it has instilled in me a very strong desire not to have rats in the house. Sure, sure. Well. I used to be more pro rat myself. Like anytime I see someone who has a rat as a pet, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. They're smart. You know, I get it. They're, you know, they're, it's there. Maybe this person goes to Hogwarts. It's cool. I like it. Yeah. All the, all the PR from the end of Ratatouille. (laughs) But obviously uh, that changed when my family waged war against rats about five, six years ago. uh, As my mom loves to feed raccoons. And that was a tradition she did for years, which led to an in- intense rat infestation. Jesus. Just everywhere, to the point where we got a letter from the city wow. saying, you cannot keep feeding these rats. And, of course, we were like, we're not feeding the rats, though. We're feeding something else. And it got out of hand. <laughs> I feel like that took over. It's In my memory, it feels like over a year to get them out of there. And there, they got to the point where they are starting to like burrow into Paul's car. And it was fucking freaky. And I I wish, or at least I wonder what it would have been like had I had my dog Cobb back then. Because he is, like, fucking the punisher with rats. Like, he's killed at least three that I know of on his leash since I've had Cobb. (laughs) He's a ratter. He's a a stone-cold killer. (laughs) He would have, yeah, it would have been like uh, the end of the Kill Bill Volume 1. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah since that i'm i'm not as big a rat fan but i do like mm. animal horror media even despite the fact that it's always hard for me to see animals get killed i can usually like do in a movie i can usually handle it you know where i can't handle it i have never been able to watch any of those like planet earth type documentaries because i can't take animals killing each other it's too traumatic for me you don't like when the odds are level you want one of the animals to be a monster but also i mean it's or i'm talking you know i I could take it in a movie where it's you know i don't know it depends it's it's case by case basis um but generally i feel like i don't know animal monster movies i find intriguing and, and that's why I picked Willard. And that's why I watched all the other Willard movies before this. I even considered reading the book. But I'll tell you why I didn't read the book. So this all starts from a book from 1968 called Ratman's Notebooks. Which is such a good <laughs> title by Stephen Gilbert. And I saw I was like, oh, there's like 170 pages. It's written like a diary with like the last page being like, I'm trapped in the attic. Help. <laughs> <laughs> there's rats everywhere i don't really know how closely any of the movies follow that book but I, I went to read the the sample on amazon and the first sentence is there are rats in the rockery and i was like wait a minute 
This is some British bullshit. I don't want to read a fucking British book with all this stupid British slang about rats. That one line is like, I don't know why that felt so unappealing to me about rats in England. I, just, I didn't. I didn't want to check it out, so I didn't. But uh, I mean, people must like it because it, it led to to the Willard uh, movie from 1971. This is it was just you know two three years later. Um, which I watched on Peacock, and it stars Bruce Davison, who I think our generation knows best as Senator Goopy from X-Men. <laughs> yes, you guys remember that? Uh, yeah. Senator. He turns into a Goop Man. <laughs> One of the great transformations on film. <laughs> uh, that makes sense now. I didn't realize that when I was watching this movie. <laughs> the remake. Because, like, why did they get Bruce Davison just to be in photos? <laughs> There's the photos and paintings of Bruce Davison in Willard 2003 uh, showing yeah. that he's Willard's, this version of Willard's father. And it's like, why? Mm-hmm. But if you've seen the original, you know, because he's the original Willard. Yeah. But then it's that also like, now. are they trying to, like, connect them? I don't, th- I don't think so. I don't uh, think so. No, because not how Willard ends. But, yeah, the, so the original 70s Willard. Bruce Davidson, Sandra Locke, Elsa Lancaster. Ernest Borgnine is the boss. He's so good in that movie. I love Ernest nice. Borgnine. Um, and I think the framework for the story is good. The 2003 one follows the 70s one pretty closely to the point where I believe in the opening credits of the remake, it says based on a screenplay by whoever wrote the 70s one. It doesn't even say based on the book. It just, no one mm. cares about the book anymore, I guess. Um. <laughs> I think my favorite detail in in all versions is the fact that Willard works at a business that used to be co-owned by his father, and then his father died, and his father's uh, co-founder took over, and then Willard still works there as like a lower level employee, but like his name is on the building. I always found that a very like that's a very embarrassing thing for someone to have to go through. So I found that to be an interesting detail, uh, even in this '70s one. Uh, the problem with that '70s one is it just feels so fucking made for TV. You know, mm-hmm. it's just got it's got the tone of like Willard, dun, 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 dun. you know, <laughs> with like that kind of TV <laughs> style music. <laughs> Sounds pretty upbeat. That's kind of like I, I kind of did like a Brady Bunch thing. Yeah, but no, that that is it's kind of like as a weird sunny disposition, and it's shot in LA and it's set in LA. And it's never um, scary. Like the scene, yeah. what's supposed to be scariest, where he sicks the the rats on his boss. It's yeah. just a couple of close ups, and then Ernest Borgnine gets so scared he jumps out of a window. It's stupid. Oh, it's a stupid scene. And You're telling me you don't get to see anyone get devoured by rats in that movie? Not explicitly. Like you kind of off camera more so. Um, That's. And the movie just Weak ends shit. with like Willard being like trapped and presumably will be killed by rats. Uh, but that original movie was like a big hit. It was the twelfth highest grossing movie of nineteen seventy one. What the fuck? I found a funny <laughs> quote. I found Roger Ebert's original review of the seventies Willard and why he thinks that movie and why like rat movies like this like resonate. And he said. Um, what is it in this film that touches some deep buried nerve in the public psyche? Why does wholesome family entertainment fade away while rats make millions? I've thought long and deeply on this subject, believe me, and I've reached a conclusion at last. 
People have waited a long time to see Ernest Borgnine eaten alive by rats. And now that they have their chance, they aren't going to blow it. A very funny review for 1971. Uh, but, you know, the rat effects are good. Uh, ben, the original Ben, won a Patsy Award for Best Animal, animal Performer. This is Picture Animal Top Star of the Year, which was an award they gave out in the 50s and through 70s. Cool. <laughs> well, you don't like that? You don't like that they're giving animals awards? I mean, what's the competition? Well, that year, no, there was nothing. <laughs> so, there wasn't a Benji movie that came out? There were some years. I see, I only wrote down some previous winners. I didn't write down, like, previous losers. Uh, but Ben's in some, like, pretty, like, uh, esteemed company. Uh, Flipper, because it is, it's for TV uh, uh, animal actors, too. Flipper won, Lassie, mm-hmm. Mr. Ed, Sh- the Shaggy Dog. Mm-hmm. All winners of the Patsy Award. I say bring it back. <laughs> oh. I see Ben won twice. Ben won twice. 71 and 72. Yeah. Ben was a fucking star back then. But not so much in the, you know, even though he won his Patsy Award for the second movie, uh, which is just called Ben, that movie uh, was not a hit. And it was pretty bad. It was a tough watch when I watched Ben. <laughs> really the only good thing about Ben. I mean, the rat effects are always good. The rat wrangling, I appreciate. And the theme song is amazing. Oscar-nominated theme song. You can watch Michael Jackson's performance of it on the Oscars on YouTube. It's introduced by Charlton Heston. <laughs> Seems like he does everything possible to not describe what the movie actually is about. Because <laughs> I think the Academy would be embarrassed that they Oscar-nominated a killer rat movie. But that movie just sucks because it's also like back when they didn't know what sequels like were or how they worked. Like, the first five minutes of the movie are, like, the last five minutes of the previous movie. You know, because this stuff isn't being rerun on TV, so they have to, like, give you, like, a literal recap, like a previously on scene. So Bruce Davidson's at the beginning being, like, killed by rats. There's, like, a crowd outside being like, what's going on in there? It's like, this guy's got a thousand rats. And then, like, the movie's all about, like, a detective. Lee Campanella plays a detective who's, like, searching for the pack of killer rats and searching for their leader. And I'm like, this is this something cops would do? They're, they're trying to track down a pack of killer rats? Uh, but Ben befriends a young boy, played by Lee Montgomery, uh, the sick boy who just stays inside all day and, like, does musicals with marionette puppets. He does three... This is basically a musical. He does three songs in this movie with his marionette puppets. And he sings to Ben. That must be fun to watch. He also composes the Ben theme song in the movie. He's like sitting at his piano going like, Ben, we found what we were looking for. Like he's working out the words as he plays a piano. Uh, But the movie sucked. It's so lame. Got a lot of dun 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 dun. So I'm 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 confused. Um, ben was the villain of the Willard that I saw. Correct. And it sounded like Ben was the villain of the other Willard. But this is a movie about that villain rat yes. making friends and singing songs. Yes. As far as the boy is concerned. 
Ben is just misunderstood. Ben is friendly to him and then just kills people in his spare time. Oh, oh, so it's it's like Shane. Yeah. Go with a rat. Sure, foot with a rat. And the movie actually ends with like Ben like all beaten up and the boys like, I'm gonna get you're gonna be better, Ben. I'm gonna take care of you. And it presumably Ben will live. But it's not like it does like a a scary like close up like no 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 Ben's gonna be back. It's just like weird and like schmaltzy and it's stupid. It's a bad movie, but it it gave us the theme song, so it's worth it. Cause I love that the Ben theme. Uh, okay, I'll try. Uh, I got so much background. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Um, <laughs> jumping ahead to the 2000s. All right, Glenn Morgan. Who's a writer on the X Files? Uh, a long yeah. time, along with his long-term writing partner James Wong, they always wrote together. They knew each other in high school, and they wrote some really classic episodes. Um, they also were the showrunners on Millennium briefly. Um, and then at one point in the mid '90s, there was a screenwriter named Jeffrey Reddick who had submitted a spec script to the X Files called Flight 180 about a guy who has a vision that his the plane he's on is going to crash. And this later was reworked into a movie. Do you guys you guys know what movie that is, right? I do. Well, would you like to share? I think I do too. The final The final destination and it was rewritten by Glenn Morgan and James Wong and this was their introduction to like now we're movie guys. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. They were just like, hey, we, <laughs> this guy gave us his idea. We're taking it. Basically, this guy, he presented this episode, and someone, I think at New Line Cinema, was like, hey, this is uh, cool, but maybe like make it just its own thing and make it a movie. So he did a, he did a, a, a full <laughs> okay. script, and then New Line shopped it to directors, and they just happened to, to shop it to guys who are already familiar with the project. Maybe that's why they wow. were so drawn to it. And why they're like, we can do this. We remember when this guy was submitting yeah. to the X-Files. So they rewrote like it. it and fate. James Wong was the like director. Him it. and Glenn Morgan both wrote the script. That movie's a big hit. And it went right into their next film, The One, which I watched right before recording with Jet Li. <laughs> Again, the same thing. Morgan Wong uh, writing, but Wong directing. But while they're working on that film, Glenn Morgan started to conceive, like, hey, you know, maybe I should direct a movie next. I really like Willard. Maybe I should do Willard. And he wanted to do it with Doug Hutchinson. If you guys remember the Percy from the Green Mile, who like tries to kill Mr. Jingles, that 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 douchebag character, the guy who hates mice. the guy who hates mice. He's he wanted him to be Willard. Um, <laughs> That's a choice. Well, he's the star of their like biggest X Files episode too. Squeeze. Oh, okay. But for whatever reason, I mean, probably because he's just not a big enough star, uh, they didn't go forward with doing Doug Hutchinson, even though that's who he wrote it with in mind. And this movie was uh, presented to three other actors that I could find, all of who turned it down. I'm going to tell you guys who these uh, these other (laughs) suggestions for Willard were. This first one seems weird. Uh, Macaulay Culkin, which... Interesting. I mean... Because he's... In a house? <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> it's like Home Alone, but rats. But, like, where was Macaulay Culkin's career in 2003? I feel like he, he probably turned That's it down just because he wasn't really doing anything, right? Uh, yeah, no it seemed like he would have been out of movies by that point. 
All right, let me let me. T- I want your guys' response to the second pick, Mark Ruffalo. What? No, um, I don't have any rats. <laughs> I mean, it seems like bad casting now, but I mean, nobody knew who Mark Ruffalo was. Yeah, how point. jacked was Mark Ruffalo in two thousand? I guess the question is, could Mark Ruffalo have pulled off Dweeb in two thousand three? Maybe. I just, I he could have. I mean, he's a great I think actor. He could. He's played more introverted characters before. Okay. He. I don't know if he's, he's gone to this this place though in any of his roles. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to remember. Did he get hot for? superheroes or was he was he hot then i think he's always been casually hot is, like hot yeah, without trying too much hot. yeah um yeah because I, I remember seeing him one of his first movies in like the early 90s a horror movie called the dentist and he's like casually hot in that like he's not even trying it's still kind of hot <laughs> i really can't think of what his acting career well was. when did uh when did 13 going on 30 come out wasn't oh, he the male lead in that that's probably around this time or was it maybe a little later i'm not actually sure i haven't seen it so i don't know. i mean he's just like handsome rom-com guy i think he was definitely okay he's definitely hot it, okay. would, it was a weird choice and he was right to turn it down and the third pick makes a lot of sense especially now i feel like looking yeah. at the span of his career the third choice was joaquin phoenix uh yeah, yeah. that makes sense well, I, I would guess probably turn it down just because, like, his career was finally gaining momentum. You know, this is, like, just a year after, like, Signs had come out, and he got an Oscar nomination for Gladiator. Gladiator, yeah. He, he's like, I, I have better shit to do. I'm sure. <laughs> it's not like they give the reasons anywhere. <laughs> this feels more like a role he would do now. Now, exactly. <laughs> like, now he's into doing the weirdest, darkest yeah, characters. Yeah, because I think of that period of Joaquin being, like, his science character, being, like, meat and potatoes, like, all-American guy. Not yeah, now he'd be now he'd be super stoked to yeah. play Willard. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I already compared this to Joker, so yeah, absolutely makes sense. But they went with Crispin Glover, which is an interesting choice, because, again, where was Crispin Glover's career in 2003? I, I don't really know. I mean... He never quite disappeared from movies. He's always been, like, wasn't he in, like, a Charlie's Angels movie around this time? He was. He was the thin man in Charlie's Angels. Yeah, that was pretty close to this. So he's always popping up. Yeah. And then doing his own weird shit. Um, I think think he's perfect for the role. I don't know. I I already can tell Sean wasn't a fan of the character, so I'm going to guess you're also not a fan of the performance. Oh, no, I think the performance is good. Okay. He's the right man for the job. Um, my problems with Willard is I just don't find there to be anything redeeming about him. I don't root for this character for even a second in this movie. I think, I think I root for him just because his situation sucks so much that I feel bad for him. You know, he's in a tough situation at work. His a very awkward dynamic by his with own his mom. fault. His boss yells at him for showing up to work late every single day, and he continues to his show up. His mom is sick. She dies from being sick. We don't see him taking care of his mom at all, though. He just keeps her shut away. What, do you want her putting uh, spoonfuls of soup in her mouth? <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't I want to see think, him trying. I think he takes care of her. We just didn't get to see it much. I'm not buying maybe it. There's, maybe there's, maybe there's a deleted scene where he feeds her soup. Yeah. There better be. And then there's like rat poop in it. You're like, uh oh. 
It's like, I feel like there's an animal that takes a shit in Buddy Professor that somebody drinks it. Always a good shtick to have. Um, but yeah, let's start. I want to start from the top here, though, because right off the bat, I was like, ooh, I like what this movie is doing. Because this movie opens with uh, scary accordion music. It sure does. Uh, very Danny Elfman kind of meets Bernard Herrmann-esque. This is Shirley Walker, who I think most people know from scoring all of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. It felt very Batman to me too. Like I could I could feel like yeah. this is like a Batman villain origin story episode. A hundred percent, a hundred percent you go into it thinking, okay, this is gonna be sort of Tim Burton esque. It's very Tim Burton. I, I actually like someone describe these Colin, describe the opening credits to me. You've seen it most recently. What do you see? I can't it's all kind of a jumble <laughs> of different images. Like it's kind of feels like it's inside the house. Mm-hmm. But then it's showing you like pictures. Like you're also getting like, <laughs> like they show Crispin Glover like in a like sort of video <laughs> still inside of a f- like a photograph frame. Yeah, and it's like people don't usually do that these days, where they show a little bit of the actor before we actually see them in character. It's like is this a TV show? <laughs> and then there's like some rats like kind of scurrying across the screen. It's very, it's all very mischievous. Uh, I'm not really sure where they're going. There's a these there's a stop motion animated skeleton very briefly. Ah, yes, yes. This is absolutely... I think you nailed it, Sean, Tim Burton. This is, like, definitely the stuff Tim Burton, like, jacks off to, right? Like, weird, (laughs) scary music, stop motion. It's all a little nightmarish. You know, some of the photographs from this opening sequence were pictures taken by Crispin Glover himself. Because he he published a book um, in the 90s. Um, he didn't write down the name of it though. It has something to do with rats. He did like a rat themed, like photography or maybe, you know, something weird. He published some sort of weird book that you probably can't get now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was reading about this. It's called rat catching and it is a collage that he put together by reworking a an 1896 book called studies in the art of rat catching which had entered into public domain by the time that he mm. got started on okay. it. Okay, It's like a remix um, <laughs> of, a, of a rap yeah. book. I, 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 has anyone ever bought a collage? I don't think so. But <laughs> he had one. It was out there. You might say it was Crispin Glover's density to be in this movie. Do you guys get that reference? Instead of Destiny? I don't. No, Fuck. Know. Well, that bombed. Uh, it's a Back to the Future <laughs> reference. Marty's like telling him, oh. say, say you're, you're my destiny. He's like, you're my density. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So right. that was the origin of that. Failed joke. Okay, so the movie... Uh, right- I'm also not rooting for him in Back to the Future, by the way. <laughs> okay, fair, fair, fair. He's a fucking creep. He's a pervert. He's an uncharismatic peeping Tom. But wouldn't you say the experience turns him in... Actually, no, it doesn't turn him into a better person. It makes him a little more confident. He's still fucking weird. Makes him a, kind of a bully a little bit. Um, he does a genuinely heroic thing, though, so I guess that's good, but n- not for the right reasons. 
So this movie opens, Willard's mom's like, there's rats! So he's going to go buy rat poison. Uh-huh. See, he's doing something nice for his mom. He's going to the store. <laughs> Getting the hell out of there. Killing those rats for him. He dresses like he's in a Lemony Snicket book. Uh, which I love that contrast when he's like just... He wears these like weird little suits all the time. But yep. then he's like going to this weird neon lit grocery store. And there's like all these fake products like Num Nuts and all these weird... I love that clash in style. Again, feels very Tim Burton. I also wrote down like feels kind of Terry Gilliam in a way. This like heightened sense of like this is kind of like the real world. <laughs> also, like I, I kept thinking like where the fuck was this made? It, it just it didn't for for some reason it didn't feel like this movie was made like it's, I think it's set in New York, but I felt like it was made in like so Europe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's definitely yeah. somewhere with old buildings, so definitely out east. It, I mean, it, it was just mm. shot in Vancouver, but I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised. If, like, oh yeah, did you know Willard was shot in like Bulgaria? I'd be like, oh okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he. Do you think yeah. Willard is suicidal at this point in the movie? Mm, I don't. Is there any indication in any scene that he's suicidal? I don't think so. I think he's just the sad. only. The only thing is when the, uh, I don't know the name of the character, when the guy confronts him at the funeral and he says, you know, this would be a good chance for you to start over. He says, start over, but I'm almost finished. I like that. Well, I I just take that as like, I have nothing else going on. Or like, yeah, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I'm the rat man. (laughs) But I don't even particularly like rats, as we'll find out later in the movie. He really, he yeah, he really just likes one rat. He, he likes a rat. He, likes a, he doesn't like the others. He's not very nice to the others later on either, uh, which is part of his downfall. Um, but he's caring for his overbearing mother. It's played by Jackie Burroughs, who was in the Dead Zone. So this is a, a returning actress for us. Oh, nice. I, I wasn't familiar with her. I think she's pretty good. She's very, like, creepy looking. She's very wrinkly and emaciated. Um, I think she has a yeah. pretty good bit, though, where she's like, I wish we'd called you Clark. Your new name yeah. is Clark. And <laughs> she, she just says, calls him Clark. Good night, Clark. She calls him Clark for the rest of the movie, too. Yep. I like it. It's a good bit. It's a good example that she's a bad mom. It's a good bit that she's a bad... She's funny. She makes me laugh. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, but yeah. I also think it's it's an example that he's doing a real bad job taking care of her because she's like 64 and she looks like she's 108. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think he's giving her the proper nutrients and vitamins? <laughs> I don't. Good. Yeah, probably not. It's probably not like the be- like the most clean house or like best ventilated no, house. Definitely not. I yeah. Well, it's just in over his head with the situation. Which I guess. I, okay. So so and that gets to the second of my main gripes sure, with Willard. Ahead. What is his attachment to this house? I don't understand why he can't sell the house. It's such a big part of the movie that people want to buy the house. It sounds like more for the land than the house itself. Why is why is that such a front to him. I think for one, there's that attachment to the connection that the house reminds him of is it's like losing part of his dad. He's clearly, we don't get a lot of it, but like he's looking at pictures of his dad all the time. And, uh, he clearly has some affection for his dad. So I think one, it would be 
getting rid of that and he wouldn't have that anymore. But then two later on, it's just like, dude's got thousands of rats. Where the fuck is he going to go with all the rats if he's not in this house? And I know like, yeah, yeah his, re- that's his, he doesn't like those rats. Sell the house. He doesn't like anymore. them. He doesn't like them necessarily in an emotional way, but he definitely likes like using them to try to better his situation. I, likes the power. He doesn't. Come yeah, to exactly. The he doesn't want to lose his gig. <laughs> it's a gig economy show. It's a, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. We we don't really get a whole lot of like what what is why is this place meaningful to Willard? We can assume, but we don't really know because it doesn't seem like he's happy. I mean, he says he loves his mom, but we're not really sure why or what they're really. I mean. The fact that she wants to call him Clark, and he's like, okay, like that's not a good dynamic between the two. They don't have a good relationship. So (laughs) I'm just going to start a list of the things that I would have changed about. Sure. I mean, it's not perfect. So the number one would be I want Willard to actually be trying to take care of his mom instead of just taking her abuse. Even She can still be abusive. She can still be a piece of shit. I just want him to be trying. So that's one on my list. Number two, I would like it if Willard is trying to take care of the house for some reason. And there can still be, you know, he doesn't have the money, he doesn't have the time, he doesn't have the energy to actually maintain the house. And 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 they could still go with, like, the other houses are being destroyed, so rats are being drawn to his house and they're destroying it. Like, I'm fine with all that, but I just want him to be putting in more of an effort to actually accomplish a goal instead of just being a miserable person. Those are, those are fair. And I'm not sure what this movie lost through editing. It sounds like there was a lot more originally here, and there were some changes made. Uh... I assume to heighten the rat action. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that was probably a request by the studios just to get to the rat action as soon as possible. Like the trailer to Willard has, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in the cage. <laughs> they were trying to make okay. this some sort of like, this is like a fucking intense horror flick, dude. So, I mean, that's a totally other movie to make. And I would have been fine with that, too. If they were just like, society's greatest loser is yeah. going to kill everyone with rats. Um, but he doesn't do that. So that that's like borderline false advertising. Let's talk about Willard's workplace. Uh, Let's do that. Because, my God, is it bad. <laughs> this is some bleak shit. You think this is a, a toxic work environment? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's funny that it's, it's vague in every single version of Willard. What does this place do? Mm-hmm. It's it's always oh, referred sure. to as a manufacturing company. You know, no, the, you know, the first Willard, the 70s one, opens. The, the first shot of the movie is like of a steel factory. And it's like... Oh, is this gonna be like where the movie ends, and then it never comes back to this location again? <laughs> so I, I I don't know what they make here. According to that first movie, something pretty heavy duty. Like, what is this a cars? Like, what do we make here? Uh, I don't know how important it is, but it's just interesting to me that in no version do they ever touch on what this place does, considering that this business is important. Yeah, um, you know, so important that. This Frank Martin, our Lee Ermey character, had to steal it. It was just too valuable to have Willard in on it. I mean, he's also just a huge asshole, so that's part of it, too. <laughs> but Willard's a clerk. Yeah. Um, and we meet Arlie Ermey as Frank Martin, his asshole boss. 
Do we mm-hmm. like Arlie in this film? Is he too attached to the Full Metal Jacket thing? Like, I guess I'm curious to ask you guys, what do you think of him just as an actor all around? Um, yeah, I mean, he he is a character actor, and that character is old man who yells at people <laughs> and you can put that in different contexts right like uh like like here he's not in any way associated with the military but he's still an authority figure who yells at people mm. uh i th- i think he's good at it though i think yeah, yeah i always i always like him um he's not asked to do a lot other than be <laughs> an angry jerk and i think that's fine um, if they had given like a little more complexity to this character, like yeah, maybe you would have wanted a more like uh, famous, renowned older actor. But um, considering he's just there to like yell and get eaten by rats, like he he shows up and does the work about as well as you could ask for. I think. Man, you you saying that, Colin, makes me think like, no way their first pick was like we need arlie ermy for this picture it probably was not but you know good for him getting like a bigger role in a who else could this have been i wonder a mainstream movie like is this too intense for like rip torn to do <laughs> no he would have no, been, no. been good for this <laughs> um but no he would have killed a rat for real on set <laughs> <laughs> it's true to business at him Oh yeah. Uh but no, I like Arlie in this as well. I think cuz I what I think is a quality that I like about Arlie that I, I didn't think about until this watching this again is I feel like he's really good at like you enter a scene and you kind of think maybe this guy kind of wants to be my friend. I'm like intimidated into being his friend, but then no, fuck, no. He's turning it around and he's twisting the knife and now he hates me. <laughs> fuck. Like I feel like he's kind of good at like he's the biggest asshole, but also like trying to be your buddy. Cause he keeps trying to present situations to Willard. Like he's helping him out. Like he's doing this for Willard's benefit. Like he's an actual friend of the family. Like, Oh, I know you're a mom. I'm just trying to help you Willard. I'm giving you a job here to help your family. But it's like, he's so fucking toxic and he's fucking screams and he just brags to everybody about all his cool shit. Um, I think, yeah, I, li- I really like him a lot in this movie. You know, it's funny because this, this same year, he does another movie that I think he's incredibly underrated in. And it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake <laughs> where he plays like the head uh. of the family. And he is scarier than Leatherface in that movie. He's the best part. I think that's why I think, and this is a controversial opinion, that's the second best Texas Chainsaw movie is because that's the only other movie where, like, a member of the family that wasn't Leatherface, like, scared me or, like, made an impact. Because he's an intimidating <laughs> guy. So, you know, props to him. What a banner year for him. Art 2003, the year of Ermi. Love it. Yeah. Was that also the year that Saving Silverman came? I don't know when Saving Silverman. I like him in that, too. I remember that as that great scene where they're, like, I don't remember exactly why they break him out of jail or like they bring him to like to help him in their exploits but they're they're talking about now i'm struggling to remember the plot of saving silverman i just remember some joke (laughs) about being like well where's the girl uh we ate her you ate her oh you guys are sick (laughs) it's like he also i believe kisses jack black in that film 
and then is singing at a, oh, a yeah. Neil Diamond concert at the end. That's what I remember about that movie is at the end, all the characters get married and they're just like, and so I guess Jack Black and Arlie Irby can get married to each other because we ran out of characters. Yeah, they just decide to make him gay at the last minute and then everybody's getting married at a Neil Diamond concert. <laughs> That's a great ending to a movie. Dennis Dugan gets it done again. Getting it done. Future pick. Uh, we also meet um, Catherine, Laura, Elena, Herring, who I don't know, but I guess she's in Mulholland Drive. She's, she is. the Mulholland Drive lady. Yep. Okay. I don't think I'd seen her in anything else except Mulholland Drive, and she's like the second most prominent character in that movie. Well, this is all. Yeah, she's in The this Shield. This is close to, okay, there you go. Uh, she, she, I was, that doesn't surprise me. She felt like a TV actress to me. I liked her, though. I'm not sure what she sees in Willard. Um, no. She instantly is drawn to him. I think she him. feels bad for him. That's yeah. the only thing they give us is that she also had recently lost her mother. And so there is, like, she's she's drawn to him because he's grieving his father and then later his mother. You know, maybe she just... Because she understands his pain. Maybe she just finds him adorkable. That's a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even though I was reading, like, they tried to make Crispin Glover look as gross as possible by making him look just like... They would try to make him look rat-like. That was what the makeup artist attempted to do here. I still think he looks kind of kind of cool. He looks like he's the lead singer of, like, some emo <laughs> band in this. He's <laughs> like the lead singer of AFI. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. She's there as a temp, though. I cannot emphasize how quickly I would get out of this situation as a temp. Um... I show up to work and the boss is verbally abusive to everyone, including the guy I'm temping for who still works at the company. He just showed up late and we're assigned to the same desk and he's like dressed like it's a hundred years ago. And <laughs> so sad. <laughs> like I do not show up for day two of that job personally. Yeah, quite a few red flags, I suppose. Uh, but hey, man, this is a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. Forget about it. <laughs> it's, it's a movie. Uh, we get some rat action finally when Willard has caught his first rat, and it's a white rat mm. that he instantly feels bad for. He feels a connection with, and it's this yeah. is a rat he calls Socrates, and mm. he attempts to free him. Uh, he uses vegetable oil, and this leads to uh, a moment where his mom's like. Willard, no, you're too old for this. Because she thinks he's jerking off vegetable oil. Again, this mom is very funny. She has all the best jokes. Um, And then, yeah. Uh, except you got the quote wrong because you would have called him Clark. Clark, sorry. <laughs> Clark, what are you doing in there? Um, um, This is good yeah. um, practical effect. I don't know how they made it look like they were peeling a sticky thing off a rat without really doing it but they I, you did know it. there's it i was gonna get into this later but there was a special feature that's on the scream factory release of this and you can watch this clip on youtube it's glenn morgan talking about working with the rats in the movie and they didn't know going into this movie like are we gonna have to do a lot with animatronics or is cg gonna come through what about training rats and he's like easily training rats was the most effective and that's what we went with like 90 percent of the time they just had a really good rat trainer on this film. I actually wrote down his name. His name's Boone Nar. He like trained all these rats. Hmm. I'll get into a little more about how he trained these rats because it's really interesting. But yeah, all practical effects. So I think any scene with a rat, I always I'm always drawn to because I'm like, this is like real. I mean, for the most part, it's almost always yeah. real, and they're just doing it. Um, 
And for whatever reason, Willard and Socrates, they're drawn to each other. I mean, n- name a more iconic oh. duo. <laughs> um, Tilda Swinton and Electric Toothbrush. <laughs> That's like now our, yeah, our going to be a recurring joke in every episode. <laughs> uh, and I'm here for it. I love iconic. it. It's iconic. Willard goes right to training all the other rats. I'm not 100% what the motivation is here. Yeah. Do you guys would you guys like to take a wager? I have a guess. What do you guys do you guys think there's anything here or does it just seem totally random? Alright, I'll yeah. Okay. Well the yeah. the only thing I've got is that he was like, Well, Socrates, you seem to be pretty smart. You seem to get it. So maybe rats are smart. So maybe I can train you. And then what I will train you to do is to eat magazines, I think, was the first thing. Yeah. Like, Tear, rip, whatever it was. <laughs> I also almost opened this uh, podcast with just saying "in" because he says that a lot when he's always getting the the rats that do his rat bag in. <laughs> I think um, before up to this point, we've seen everyone walk all over Willard slash Clark. He's everyone's bitch. And I think this is the first situation... We should call him Clark Clark. from now on. This is the first situation that Clark has ever been in where he's like, I'm in control right now. This person is under me. I am in control. And I think he just... That instantly translates to, I love this feeling of finally having control. How can I continue this? So that goes right to training the rats, which he's weirdly good at. (laughs) To quote Snyder from Three Ninjas... He's thinking, God, I love being a bad guy. Um, yeah. Sorry, I was getting a text. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't uninterested in what you were saying. <laughs> Trust me, Sean. I always love that's. I enough. always love a three ninjas reference. I thought you were like insulted that Sean stole your line from the podcast. No, no absolutely not. You had to, Fair enough. You had to Fair think enough. about no. how you felt that about was, it. That was super funny. I was just answering. No, I was trying I'll to double. It. I was trying to multitask. You know what? But m- what I'm saying is, we needed that. Um, we needed. We 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 needed the sympathy. We don't have it yet. But he is. He's getting his evil urges. In. Right. Um, among the rats he trains is uh, a big rat mm. named Ben, and he he big calls boy. him Ben. Big Ben. Says, hey Ben. Yeah, exactly. Ben. Big Ben. First time a movie is given an explanation for why he'd call it Ben. I love it. And if you're wondering what really, yeah, they never. He's just random in all the other ones. Are so are the rat names the same in the other yeah. one? It's Socrates yeah. and yeah. Ben. Always the same. This so it's always like the one I liked. I put a lot of thought into the name, and the other ones is like it's the first name I could think of. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and if you're wondering why Ben looks so big, it's because he's like a Gambian pouch rat, which is a different <laughs> breed of rat. That gets to be up to nine pounds. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. So I'm not sure, like, are they working with multiple ones of those? Because I don't even know if they're technically legal in the United States. So this movie was filmed in Canada, oh, so God. maybe... It's true. I don't know, maybe they're... I don't know. Um, Ask Boone Nar. I can tell you, I can tell you from the IMDb goof section that they are working with multiple rats because... One of the goofs in IMDb goofs is that Ben and Socrates change gender multiple times throughout the course of the movie. What kind of sicko notices that? <laughs> that's that's like a George McFly note. He would notice that. 
I actually noticed that they okay. changed gender. John, you gotta you gotta pick a side. Are you, are you calling these are we calling these people sickos? Or are you defending their fascination with rats? Um I don't really I'm on the fence, I guess. <laughs> uh but once Willard started training these rats, he sends them out on their first mission and it's to fuck up uh Mr. Martin's car because he keeps bragging about his new yeah. car. Cause he's like, My car's motivating everybody. Look what you could get if you were me. Fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, so he in, go into the bag, sends them out to uh rip up the tires. And they fucking do sure it, does. dude. They do a great job. So if you're wondering how this is done, the the rats, how do they get them to do all these scenes? Um yeah. the the the, uh, the magic of rat trainer Boon Nar. Um, basically rats would need about three or four practices to like understand like what they're doing. And then each one has about f- only four takes and then they get bored because the thing is they they, <laughs> they give them like a, like a, a snack after every time they do it. And then after like four times, like, well, I'm not hungry anymore, so I'm not going to do the trick. So really they only had so many attempts at every shot with these rats, this swarm of rats. And that all had them numbered, so they knew which one was which, you know, knew which ones to sub out for which other ones. They're working with literally thousands. Like, Glenn Morgan, like, talked about a scene where he's like, I just, like, took a minute and then looked and see, I was directing, like, thousands of rats and it's insane. Um, <laughs> but they slash his tires, they, they're, they're going crazy. Uh, the only other thing that I, I, I feel the need to bring up at this scene is that weird, th- that dog that tries to attack Willard. It's like a little Pomeranian. Oh, no. This is a weird. This is a weird scene, because Willard. I guess if there's any scene was like, well, maybe Willard's not a bad guy. This is probably the scene. Well, I'm conflicted. So Willard takes the dog and puts it into the rat bag. Yeah, he's gonna feed the dog. And it it shakes rat. around and they're squealing until it stops. And like, mm-hmm. I it seems like. And I don't know if you guys have felt the same way that Willard opens it again, not just to see what happened, but he, he looks like he feels bad, right? I think so. I, I think, think at so. that point he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have gotten this little doggy. Thing. So I don't know if he fully redeems himself by opening the bag. Um, what I will say is it's very odd that the dog just is totally fine and hops out and runs away. Because mm-hmm. it, it well, then again. I don't know. In my head, like I was thinking while this was happening, if Willard opens that bag and pours out a dog skeleton, this might be a five-star movie. That would be the funniest thing I've ever seen. If these rats immediately turned this dog into a skeleton, because there's nothing yeah, like piranhas in a cartoon. There's nothing funnier than when people are reduced to skeleton. Uh, but it's totally fine, and I, I do wonder if that's another thing they wanted this movie to be R. And the studio was like, no, PG-13. I, I'm not sure why. Because um, of signs. That's, that's signs, sure. <laughs> but I think, I, I wonder if there's a, an alternate cut where a dog skeleton falls out of this bag. I don't know. I'm, this is all just speculation. No one's written about this. If I ever yeah, meet Glenn Morgan, I know I'm going to ask him. It's interesting because... Um, it makes a question: Why is this in the movie? And and the answer has to be well because it's it's characterization. It's showing us that 
um, Clark has uh, has a, a tendency to give into his evil urge or will do despicable things to protect his secret because he doesn't want to be exposed by the, the barking dog. So he's, he, he is at least willing to entertain the possibility of killing that dog so that he doesn't get caught. Right. Um, okay. I guess, I guess that's, I guess that's fine. I guess I'm fine okay. with that, but mainly I was just relieved because I didn't want to see the doggy get killed. See, I usually, if a dog dies in a movie, most animal deaths, I'm so upset and I have trouble continuing or I need a break, but the tone of this thing is so silly for me. And we're going to talk about this more when we talk about the big scene, the very controversial scene. But the tone of this make, made it, I don't know, it contextualized it in a way where I'm like, this is all just like, this is being arched. This is macabre with like a wink. I mean, that's yeah. my take on it. I, I, I granted, okay. you know, everybody's going to have the same response. And it is, it's, it's not like, it's funny, but it's not like it's meant to just be, it is meant to be disturbing, these scenes. They are meant to be scary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next scene, well, yeah. I think, I think that's it. Then I think I think you hit the nail on the head. That there's a wavelength that you have to be on, and I was not on that wavelength. The next scene I have written down is uh, his mom dies from just general illness, right? I don't. She just she just it's, to quote Groundhog Day. Sometimes people just die. <laughs> Because um, I don't think she dies related to the rats. The rats are later like chewing on her, right? But she, right. she just well, and, dies. And, she, and she's she looks like she's fallen down the stairs. Too, yeah, which we don't know if that she if she just fell down the stairs or if the rats caused her to fall on the stairs because they are around her dead sure. body. Um, but she dies. You know, there is a really... This film has a lot of nice touches, I think, in terms of just stylistic Oh, things. wait, wait, yeah. wait. Wait, isn't there a scene where Willard is like, rats, you gotta go, and the mom, like, hears him and thinks... She thinks it's her. Yeah. But it's not like she just decides, like, I'm going to die now, right? Yeah, but maybe it's Clark's fault. Maybe he uh, upset her and you know gave her a heart. Oh, it's like the Revenge of the Sith thing where she lost the will to live. <laughs> she <laughs> lost the will to live. <laughs> um, but like, like I was going to say before that, I think there's a really nice touch that when she dies, um, and the 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 paramedics come and they're they're putting the sheet on her. You can hear children outside and like the ice cream truck, and I'm like, this is so see. This is it's moments like this where I'm like I like what this movie is doing. This is like twisted, like, like a, this is this is like a evil clown energy. Is this movie? <laughs> like it's like this is so fucked up. But look what we're doing. We're like, oh, it's almost ironic the kind of music that we're putting against this scene. And this movie does that a lot, where they kind of a clash of tones. And I love those little touches. I I think that's I think Glenn Morgan could have potentially been a special director had he kept making movies. So I just wanted – it's a very small thing, but I wanted to include that detail because it, it stood out to me as like – most people won't notice hmm. scenes like this. But like I'm like, hey. I didn't. Or like it, it goes right from that from that scene right to an empty funeral home. And I like – another nice touch. No one's here. Just Willard. Catherine shows up for, to show her condolences. The debt guy shows up. 
you know, fucking tough scene. But like, I, I love how that scene starts. Yeah. Where we found out that the mom had refinanced the house and that now that she's dead, they basically, yeah, basically has to sell. It's they, the, the bank owns the house now. So bummer, right. bummer vibes in this movie. Not things not, aren't going well for Willard. Right. But I think the interesting thing is it could have been worse, right? Because the guy is like, look, if you sell the house, not only are you going to get out of debt, you'll have an, enough money to start a new life. True. I can see how like you could say Willard is unsympathetic in that he's so unreasonable in accepting any other situation. <laughs> yeah. But also, he's got old words to do with all those rats. <laughs> they got to be in that house. Well, that's why I wanted to remind you that there's a scene where he's already at this point, even before the mom dies. He's trying to kick the rats out. He's done with the rats. <sighs> I guess. He, he, he used them for the one thing he wanted to do, which is eat up those uh, tires and not that puppy. Thank God. And now he just wants to be friends with Socrates. He's done with all the other rats. It's a good point. It's a good point. Doesn't need the house. But... He doesn't need the house. He doesn't need the job. He shows up to it late every goddamn day. But it's a, it's a cool location. <laughs> it's a movie. Sure <laughs> the, the filmmaker in him wants to keep the house. Then, oh, the next scene I had in my notes was the cat scene. There might be some stuff in between here, but Catherine gifts, which is like a weird gift. Here's a cat. Here's an animal that you have to care for now. Gifts Willard, mm, yeah. a cat named Scully, especially. A cat that she is profoundly emotionally attached to <laughs> because she says having this pet cat helped me get over the grief of my mother's death. What are you doing, cat? You say so you're getting rid of the cat that helped you. Fuck this cat. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Go to live in this haunted mansion with this guy who I don't really know who dresses like fucking uh, Ichabod Crane. <laughs> Who won't let me inside, but by the way, it's totally cool that he just takes the cat and dumps it inside the door. He dumps it in, the cat immediately takes a huge piss. Uh, Again, I'm just going to imagine that's what the cat did, and they just kept it. Well, no, it's a joke. It's a joke because uh, he says, can I just leave the cat? And she says, oh, it's fine. Uh, She's house trained. Oh, that's... So it's like a joke. Very funny. Instead of... She just... It just immediately pees on the middle of the floor. Uh, And the cat is immediately swarmed by rats running around... Presses the remote on the TV, which starts the easy listening channel, which plays the original Michael Jackson version of Ben. And that this is a very, like, Glenn Morgan-esque move, because I can think of at least two other things he's worked on that have scenes like this, where it's, like, uh, an up-tempo or at least, like a, like, a nice song playing against something traumatic. Like, there's a scene like that in Final Destination where they're playing... Uh, you take me home, country roads, while like a woman is being like killed by the Rube Goldberg device that is her own house. Yeah. And then there's an X Files episode that uh, from the the reboot. There's an episode written and directed by Glenn Morgan, where there's like a man made of like human. It's like a human garbage man attacks a woman at night, and it's playing downtown. Dun dun dun. It's a very scary scene where this guy's like breaking into this woman's house and trying to kill her. And like this is what Glenn Morgan likes to do is play like an upbeat song against something very upsetting. So I liked that touch, yeah. and I like that they included that song because I think that song's great. But I mean, on top of everything, this is all practical. This is, I mean, aside from I think there's like a CGI cat at the end when he's falling into the sea of rats. But like, 
This is incredible. How this must have been so hard to do to get this cat to climb up here and then get these rats to run over here and they have to chew this and then the cat go over there. Like that's not something you just don't get to see in movies even back then or like they just it's not something that happens. So anytime that happens for me regardless of mm. context is like just impressive on a technical level. Colin, I got to get your take on this scene. I think we know my how I feel about it. I think we know how Sean feels about it. You haven't weighed in on the big, the cat scene. Um, yeah, I like it. I, I I like the kind of ironic music cue with the the fun staging of the cat trying to jump it around, and you think he's gonna outsmart the mice, and then he doesn't. I think it's it's well staged. It's a it's a good scene, even if it is like a little disturbing. <laughs> Um, she's she's not even a mean cat. She's I know. Nice I cat. I think maybe the one issue I have with it is like I feel like they there should have been a little more like build up like in terms of like the cat should have been a part of the story for a little longer so that you would have like even more of a like oh no reaction when the cat finally gets devoured by the rats because it feels like yeah. the cat is just there to get killed in this scene and like you do have that kind of oh no reaction just because like you know it wants to see a cat get killed but like it, it's a little clunky how they insert it into the movie but i do think it's a good scene that's like well filmed and choreographed i think I think you're totally right, though, that if there was a extra scene where Clark is at home with the cat, with Scully, and he's like, I love you, Scully. You're the best cat ever. Yeah, like he gets to know and, the cat just a little bit. It doesn't Yeah, it doesn't have to be a ton of the movie, but just a scene or two. Maybe a scene where the cat's coexisting, but then one day pisses off Ben, and then there's a close-up of Ben like, dun-dun-dun, <laughs> <laughs> where Ben's yeah. now pissed, and now he's going to get revenge. Mm-hmm. Conversely, I'm okay with the idea of like Ben doesn't want anyone on his turf. So they immediately when someone comes <laughs> yeah. in, he's like, "Fuck this!" Instant. I run this Instant place. Death. Yeah. Um, he's cold blooded. It's around this time that like Willard is like bringing rats to work for company. They keep getting into his bag all the and, time. And again, <laughs> it's, he's just trying to bring Socrates, though. He has no interest in these other rats. Ben is sneaking oh, along yeah. with him. And then and then one time, he's like, well, if Socrates says it's okay, Ben, you can also accept Yeah, so he doesn't want... Okay, so that's why they're both there but, on that one, on that fateful day. Yeah, but Clark is fucking done with the rats. He only likes Socrates. It's true. Uh, they're an iconic duo. We love Socrates. Socrates is nice. Socrates doesn't try to kill cats. Um, I do love the commitment of uh, Crispin Glover in this movie, where he just like has a scene where he's just yelling at Ben. <laughs> I hate you. Like I hate you, Ben. I love Socrates, but I hate you. Mm-hmm. Ben just like it's squinting. Uh, yeah, it's like that is commitment in acting. Um, but then we have another another traumatic animal scene. This one also was upsetting, where Socrates gets out at work and they're telling someone like, "Oh, can you like start getting the Christmas decorations? Because it's Christmas time. Stealth Christmas movie pisses me off. You know, I hate shit like that." <laughs> I mean, fairly, but yeah, they're starting to decorate. Colin, this could be maybe yeah. it's just November, but I'm still pissed. <laughs> and there's rats back there and. 
Arlie goes to town with like a fucking steel pipe or some shit. It's part of the tree, I think. Yeah, like spears. Spears Socrates. There's blood everywhere. It's pretty gross. It's very sad. Socrates did nothing wrong. Um, and then ben, uh, uh, Clark, getting my names mixed up. Let's go with Clark. <laughs> Clark does something that I think is actually, I really like this. It is pretty gross. He puts Socrates in his father's urn. You remember that? Yeah. He opens up his father's urn and lays down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought there was going to be some supernatural element where he's like resurrected. Oh, like the father <laughs> like, is in the rat? Yeah, like the, the, something, something weird like that. But I guess this movie isn't. It's not a supernatural horror movie. The final battle would be between Ben and then Willard slash Clark's <laughs> father in the body of Socrates. Rat dad. And he'd be like, we both found what we were looking for. I, I'm trying to think of a quote from the Ben song. <laughs> I can't think of one that makes sense. <laughs> um, and they have a rat fight. But, uh, yeah, ne- next next scene I just have is the, like, fuck this, I'm going to kill my boss now, he's such an asshole, and he kills Socrates. Um, I do like that, oh, yeah. there was the suicide scene. Now suicide I think I, scene, I do, do yeah. not remember this. Remind me? He, uh, when the mom dies, he um, goes into the mom's room and finds the, like, evidence thing from the dad committing suicide. Um, like he finds his watch and his death certificate, and also he finds um, his uh, Swiss Army knife um, that's bloodstained. So implicitly, that's the that's the you're right implement I, he, the dad used to commit yeah, suicide. Yeah, puts with. it to his like wrist or something, right? Right. Yeah. He th- he's about to kill himself, but Socrates mm. stops him. See, even when it's a movie you don't like, Sean, you remember it better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, so yeah, he is he is suicidal. He is suicidal. And Socrates stopped him, and then he lost Socrates. So now he's got nothing to lose again. And uh, Arlie Army's looking at internet porn, like early two thousands internet porn. <laughs> great, great touch. I love that they made him like be like, "Ooh, yes, I like this." I feel like he sees one where he's like, hmm, "I don't know about that." It's like, yeah. Well, the first one he clicks on 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 is like, look at my nude wife. And it was like older ladies. Yeah. It's like, what did you expect? (laughs) I don't know. People were still, you know, getting used to the internet. I guess they didn't. They didn't know. He was very naive. Um, But, you know, Willard fucking cock blocks him. (laughs) I don't know if it's considered a cock block if it's you're just jack it off yourself but i'll be i'm gonna stick with how it. how do you explain the shot where the elevator door opens up like the shining and spills out a wave of rats oh that's like how did he get all those rats in the elevator it's just for the trailer well, yeah right? i mean when you google willard 2003 gif it's that shot a thousand times <laughs> <laughs> i think you're right i think it just like this is like yeah. a money shot it it, yeah. it 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 makes so it little sense. Cool. It's it's really the only like, like this is too much CGI. Like because most of it is practical. Like I was saying earlier, this is the only scene where they're like, "Fuck it, this is, we need our fucking rat in a cage shot." <laughs> I, I I like it. I think it's it's goofy enough to where I, I mean, it probably doesn't look great, but I think it's it's fun. So 
doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. I'm not going to argue that it makes sense or needs to be in it, but I I do kind of find it amusing. Um, not a super creative like attack or kill on on Arlie. They just he just they swarm him, gets him in that that back in the elevator, and then it's he starts like sending it down, and he just goes goodbye, Ben. And I'm thinking, you don't think Ben's going to come? You don't think Ben is the fucking the smartest rat in the world? <laughs> what are you thinking? I, I, As much as I like this movie and I still stand by my rating of it, I do think the movie loses momentum after this scene. I'm like, okay, I'm done, right? Maybe like one, like three more minutes. But there's really more like, there's like 15 more minutes. It's like, yeah, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, he is the main villain. Like, what else is there to do except for... I guess Willard to fight the rats himself. And that is... But no one, I, no one really wants to see that, I feel like. <laughs> I did forget to mention that before he leaves, he does like gas and kill all the rats that are still living in the... Like, the rats he doesn't bring with him for the mission, he, he kills at home. So, like, mm-hmm. he gets home, he starts shoveling rats into, like, the furnace and the trash and stuff. <laughs> all these dead rats. A lot of high body count in this movie. Uh, but then naturally Ben comes back with all the rats that he abandoned and we get some Willard versus V rats fight scenes. I think the movie originally ended with him just fighting the rats and then like a shot of like Ben's silhouette in the window, but then Willard coming out and like smashing it, which is still in the movie. I think, I think that shot was still in the movie. I, I don't remember now, but like, I think it was supposed to like end around there. It was supposed to end with him fighting rats. But we do get more in this in this version. Okay, there is one moment in this that baffled me, perhaps more than any scene okay. we talked about on okay. the pick, <laughs> which is Catherine shows up, and she's pretty sure Clark is in the house somewhere, and she's like, "Please let me in." And eventually, he uh, he does let her in because he's he's trying to he's trying to go out with her to I think get like lunch or something. So he lets her in the house. Um, sort of against his will while he's distracted dealing with all the rats and she goes to his bathroom and she finds a toilet that is duct tape shut yes. and she removes the duct tape and uses the toilet <laughs> what kind of a psychopath <laughs> lets themselves into someone else's home finds their duct tape shut toilet and uses it that is insane yeah, unless you know, you know, sicko, sickos. Yeah, love sickos. <laughs> There's, there is your best evidence that she is a fellow sicko and <laughs> sympathizes with him because of her sickness. Because you have to be a sicko to again. She didn't want her in the house. She kind of lets herself in uh, with barely his consent, and then uses a bathroom that she does not that he does not tell her to use, and she's stuck tape shut. I re- can't fuck, really dude. think of a reason why someone would be like, okay, yeah, this is fine. This clearly I can use this. Clearly, this isn't a. It's not broken or something. <laughs> just, yeah, gonna, that's like best case scenario. Is it's just I see that and I'm like, oh, this toilet is broken. It's, they don't want you to use it because yeah. it's you can't flush or something. Not like, well, maybe you know what? I'm just gonna try it. Whatever. <laughs> like and and also the movie doesn't use that as like a setup for her stealing 
like deciding things are creepy or like a rat attack. Like I assumed a rat was going to crawl up the toilet and attack her. It didn't happen. Um, it's just a maybe, up maybe thing in the director's cut. I don't, yeah, I don't think know. you should have done. It's a fucked up thing. Fucking sickos. Movies full of sickos. <laughs> <laughs> Willard's fighting or Clark's fighting rats. Uh, I guess kills Ben. Yeah, I think I think yeah that shot that I'm remembering is in the movie where it's the silhouette of Ben and he like smashes him. Off the does he or does he cut off one of Ben's legs? Yeah, you know, both sound plausible and disgusting. Uh, and there's like guys. I think his leg gets stuck in a rat trap. Oh god! It's still like his paws like kind of moving a little. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Disturbing. Then enters Sean's dad with a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I must protect my family. You know there is a decent. Not that decent, but there's a movie about Peter Weller defending his family from rats from the 80s called Of Unknown Origin that I've seen. It's kind of fun. Wow. It's a fun genre. Uh, Well, fun for me anyways. Uh, But the movie ends with Willard stuck at uh, an asylum and he's not eating. And it's another one of those. I feel like you could make a list on Letterboxd of uh, movies where there's (laughs) asylum workers who make fun of the patient's. (laughs) <laughs> it's like a guy's like hey you want a, a piece of cheese like a rat nom, 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 nom. and then the main character is just sitting in the asylum and he's just like defeated but also a little like i'll show you i'll show you all yeah exactly how this movie ends with like um assuming this is like now he's not imagining it, a rat is like in his sleeve and he's like in time in time like as if he's got this rat and maybe Willard will plan his escape for I, maybe the sequel would have been Ben. I don't know what the sequel would have been. For what? To take revenge on who? <laughs> Society, Sean. Society done him wrong. They took his house. Yeah. I think it'd be like Willard 2. No, it'd be called Clark 2, colon, taking back the house. <laughs> yeah, They didn't sense. take his house. The rats took his house. But there were some, like, guys, like, poking around near the end. Like, I assume guys who were going to, like, oh, this is the bank's house now. You mean the police oh, officers? They were, police they officers. were trying to yeah. Yeah, arrest uh, Clark. Arrest Clark. <laughs> they weren't guys who were like, hey, we could do something with this window. <laughs> if we just renovate here and there. Um, regardless, Willard has plans for something. <laughs> Again, not Glenn Morgan's ch- first choice for the ending. This was a this was a studio. This is the one thing I am is confirmed as a studio <laughs> note to set it up for a potential sequel. Is what the note was. Um, and then the the yeah, credits uh, uh, come to come up, and it's 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 Crispin Glover singing Ben. There's a music yeah. video for this uh, where you can watch Crispin oh, Glover. Cute. They shot a music video where he's singing to a rat, and Arlie Army's in the audience. It's very unusual. I think it did play on MTV a handful of times. Uh, but no, this movie, big flop. Um, opened number eight. I actually wrote down the whole top ten for that, just because I always find it so interesting to look back at, like, these were the, the movies people were watching back then. Do you guys want me to run down that list? I'll just, I'll just, I can do it real quick. So this is March 14th, 2003. Sure. March. Oh, fuck. March. Okay, so is even parts of the Caribbean out by then? I, no, I'm probably not going to make you guys guess. I mean, 
there's I, I think there's one movie on here just because I think it was previously mentioned that you might be able to guess. Otherwise, <laughs> I think it'd just be better if I just read off the list. Do you guys yeah, want to try to guess the one film I think you'd know? Okay, I'll just go for it. Actually, um, maybe I do. What? Okay, <laughs> give me it's a, March give me a 2003. Uh, <laughs> the, the movie that I think we all would know has been out for about a month. I did mention it way at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I liked it. I don't remember if Sean liked it. I'm pretty sure we've all... I don't know if you've seen it, Colin. I'm going to guess you maybe have. Okay. Uh, Daredevil? It is Daredevil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I actually remember it because it, it came out on Valentine's Day. Or around Valentine's Day. So this is a month later. Daredevil's number nine. Still. It's still hanging on well, a month later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've but seen number, it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Classic Sean, movie. He's got a Sean teaser at the end. Bullseye yeah. is alive. He's coming back, guys. Yep. One of the only times in my life I walked out of a theater before the post credit scene. Me too. I did not see that Bullseye scene until the home video release. Me too. My dad saw it and he's like, you missed it. Bullseye's alive. I'm like, what? Because this was before that it was a thing. Like, I mean, it probably happened sometimes, but not often. Yeah. Okay, but that's number nine. Number ten, it'd been out for two weeks, was Cradle to the Grave. <laughs> uh, yeah, Willard is at eight in its opening weekend. Number seven is, uh, I believe this movie, I actually didn't write down when it came out. I'm going to, maybe it was opening weekend? I don't know. I think it'd been out for a while. Oh, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, six is Chicago, which had been out for three months, but it was, <laughs> of course, Best Picture you know, winner. So yeah, that was a big Probably had an Oscar bump. Oh, uh, yeah, that was definitely more of a thing even back then. Like a movie would still, it'd be a, almost a bigger hit after it won Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, number five, uh, Old School had been out for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, four, Tears of the Sun, second week. <laughs> I've seen okay. I've seen this movie before. It's bad. Yeah. I saw it at like when I lived at the apartment complex in Redmond. They'd have like. The comics would have movie nights, and I remember one week it was Tears of the Sun, and we watched. What do you one. like? <laughs> what what, what war is that movie set in? I feel like it's Vietnam, but I don't remember. Is it Vietnam? Okay. Again, don't remember. It, it could not be. It could be early. Like it's, it could be like a fictional. It could be Vietnam too. I don't know. Yeah. Number three in its opening weekend, Agent Cody Banks. <laughs> number two in its opening weekend a movie i have seen that i think is fine the hunted with tommy lee jones and benicio del toro it's like what if the fugitive but again i've heard that movie has a really good fight at the end that sounds right i think we just watched like it's just, it it's... i was just gonna say i think we just watched it because my dad loved benicio del toro Okay, I think the ending is just those two guys with like one knife, and they're fighting each other with it. That sounds, uh, and it's like really brutal. That sounds and accurate, intense. That's scary accurate. It's like I'm there. It's like I'm watching the hunted again at home. And number one in its second week, bringing down the house. Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> Did you see that in theater, Sean? Bet your ass. Good for you. What a, you know, no offense, but what a terrible list of movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, for March, 
I feel like you could do worse. <laughs> I don't know. People complain about movies today, and then I see a month like this, I'm like, I mean, granted, a lot of variety here, and, like, none of these are, like, with the exception of Daredevil, it's a superhero movie. None of these, like, not a lot of, like, sequels. They're all, like, original films, so props mm-hmm. to that. But also, God, what a bunch of fucking whiffs, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's what I got on Willard. Sean, you already shared a goof. Did you want to share another goof? Yeah, did you know that when Willard is walking to Mr. Martin's house with the rats in the bag, his hairstyle is different than it is in the rest of the movie? Mm. I believe it. <laughs> it's like, who cares? Is that a goof? That seems fine. Well, I mean... Maybe his hair was different I, that I, night. Also, like, it's not necessarily, like... I could believe that the character is supposed to have a wig in the movie. Like, it, it, it would be befitting of the character if he's the kind of guy who wears a toupee, you know? So I don't mind that. But I do find it that to be a funny quotations goof. There's another one. There's a close-up of a clock at the office showing that it's 9.21 a.m. And therefore, that, that Willard is late for work again. Mr. Martin shouts at him for less than a minute. And then, in the background, you see the clock reads 9.35 a.m. I'm like, come on, guys. It's a movie. The continuity people are doing the best they can. You know, it's still the same hour. It's just 15 minutes later. Or dun 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 dun. Time travel. (laughs) (laughs) Time travel. 15 minutes (laughs) in one minute. (laughs) It was his density, Sean. Now I get it. (laughs) All right, and it wouldn't be. A John episode, if not for a John's Rogues Gallery. God, I like being a bad guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume you can fit the theme song in there somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, we got Ben. You guys, Ben is an evil doer. Yeah. This isn't uh-huh. a, a super thorough one, but I'll, I'll just run through it because it's the tradition. Full name, Ben, alias Big Ben. Origin, yeah. Ratman's Notebooks, Willard. Occupation, Pet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else Barely. What else would it be? He's going to get fired. Uh, yeah. If anyone's worse really at their job pet. than Clark is, it's Ben. Power <laughs> slash skills. Pet, you know. Teeth. Yeah. He does bite the cat. Yeah. Uh-huh. Strength. He's big. I'll give it to him. Yeah. Well when when he breaks into the garage, he like chews chews through the, the concrete. He's very strong. Cunning. He is he is smart in a way. That's his main power, yeah. And leader and leadership. Exercise. Definitely. Hobby. Uh this is actually in reference to Ben. Uh Playing with Danny Garrison, which is the boy from Ben, uh, the movie Ben, because they play together. It's the only time I think oh. we get to see Ben be. It's the only time we can see Ben be Ben, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Goals: become the leader of Willard's rat colony. Succeeded. Though it doesn't really seem like Socrates was ever the leader, but I guess he was. At least he was Clark's favorite. Um, kill all, all those that stand in his way. Pretty much. <laughs> That's a sweet goal. And 
Make Willard Styles' life a living hell. <laughs> yeah. It would be even funnier if it's like... Make someone's life a living hell is a goal. It's great. Crimes. Murder. Yeah, he did a few. Salt mm-hmm. and battery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. And property damage. <laughs> yeah. Type of villain. You guys want to give a guess? Two words. Um, I'm going to go with the Latin on this one. Gigantus Rattus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm going to go with Evil Critter. Evil. That's so cute. That'd be a good name for the movie. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's Rodent Mastermind. <laughs> I can't believe we wasted a mastermind. Damn, so that guys, sucks. I've got That's one true. more fun fact for you. A surprise, if you will, in regards to this villain's wiki. So I went to this villain's wiki last week, and the stats page was actually not filled out. So this what? is the first villains wiki that was written by me. <laughs> you you can go to the villains wiki page for Ben. I have the I am the one who wrote the stats. Which I'm so glad that we didn't make fun of them too much because I came up with them. No, they made sense. John, they, you've become the monster. I've become the monster. Thank you. I mean, living hell's too perfect, right? I had to include it. He really, he really does make his life a living hell, though. <laughs> I couldn't come up with more crimes, though. I only picked assault and battery because I was looking up some other evil pets, and a couple of the people wrote them down for like Cujo. And I was like, okay, I guess, sure, sure. So I put it in mine. So yeah, so now it's the point. Something a segment that maybe I used like, to make fun uh, of. I'm now a contributor. Maybe of. like, maybe like breaking and entering into early Hermes' house. <laughs> I like it. I'll put that in there later. I think it's insane that all destruction you, of property. All you need to do to contribute to this site is like wait a couple days. <laughs> so you're saying there are still more controls on Villains Wiki than there is gun control in the United States? Yeah. Do whatever you want. Um, but there you have it. Um, so I would say, John, you you convinced me to go back and add um, a full star. You don't. To my you don't review. have to. But yeah, it's. Up I'm to not going to change. I'm not going to change the review, which says a thoroughly unpleasant experience. Okay. But I am going to give it an extra star, and I am curious to hear where Colin is coming down on this one. Did he? Did he convince you to get that half star in there, Colin? I think he did. I'll give it three stars when I rate it. I do... I do empathize with Sean's read on the film, though. I do feel like the film doesn't quite hit that kind of, like, uh... I don't know, like, Tim Burton-y, like, sort of darkly fun vibe enough. I feel like the film is a little dour and, like... (laughs) depressing sometimes like Willard's life just sucks a little too much there are definitely some Mm -hmm. moments of the film where I'm like not really having that much fun um but sometimes it does like hit it hits that that fine line between like a little campy a little like unsettling 
but like not always for me. So I I like it. I like any movie where you're like not quite sure what time period it takes place in, even though it it definitely takes place in the early two thousands. Just looking at the computers, but like everyone has like old yeah. cars, and the building they work in is super old. And he's like wearing a suit to work, which is such a fifties thing, <laughs> and the house is super old. And like even the subway car that he gets on when he goes like into the city is like an older like New York City subway car. It's like the older red version that I remember seeing in the like New York Transit Museum when I went there. It's all like a little out of time, and I always like that when a movie does that. Uh, well, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that because uh, yeah, again, when I saw that one star, my heart sunk. But it's uh, I feel okay now. I feel okay about yeah, this and case. and and again, um, like. It is such a perfect role for Crispin Glover because I feel <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. he, I've always gotten the vibe that he sees himself as like the ultimate outsider artist, like stuck in the, the cage of the Hollywood system. <laughs> and like Willard totally has that vibe. <laughs> and so it's like, it's perfect. It's a perfect role for him. He wrote that rap book. He was destined yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hopefully in the next episode, it won't be something quite as divisive. <laughs> but I don't know that. What's it going to be? Um, yeah, I feel like my my pick probably should be a fairly un... <laughs> undivisive movie I, I feel like it'll be a feel-good movie which is maybe why i resisted seeing this movie when it came out um but yeah i, I was kind of looking to do a sports movie just because there's a, a lot of sports going on right now it's <laughs> the hockey playoffs the basketball playoffs and of course baseball season is in full swing so uh, I don't yeah. think any of us have seen this movie. Um, so my pick is the movie Forty Two, the Jackie Robinson movie. Oh, mm, no, yeah. I've not seen it. You guys haven't seen it? Okay, so yeah, I, I've I seen mean, a good bit yeah. of it actually, a good but not bit all of it. it. Not all of it. Yeah, like on TV or something. It was on HBO. Yeah. Okay, but not all of it. Yeah, Harrison Ford's in this one. He is. I'm That's glad great. we get to I do mean, a, another movie with uh, like a authority figure with very bushy eyebrows. Absolutely, <laughs> he's playing Branch Ricky in the movie. Cool. I mean, I'm definitely gearing up for the new Indiana Jones, so I'm, I'm ready to get into some some Harrison for sure. Yeah. And and if you listening are ready, you know, make sure to check us out at mildlypleased.com or. Search mildly, please, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, thank you for tuning in. I'll never be alone, and you, my friend, will see you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Ben, you're always running. 